This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's No Near Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and it's a slightly different show than normal this week. It's the bottom six special. We're going to be talking to fans from each of the bottom six in the Premier League, seeing how they feel about the running, how confident they are, and ultimately who they think is going to go down, who's going to be relegated. First of all, though, since we didn't have a podcast after the Southampton game, James is here with me, and James is going to be the first fan we speak to, representing Burnley, obviously. James, you were out at St Mary's. What did you make of the game? Um, I think it was you know, it was a sort of scenario I think we've seen a few times this season where um, ultimately we've just not been taking our, our opportunities. Um, the first half, I thought we were by far the better team for the whole 45. And, you know, particularly when, um, obviously, Fraser Forster had his freak accident um, with uh, Sam Volks tripping over him after he slipped. You really thought there was an opportunity there for us to, you know, take advantage of a goalkeeper and play a lot of football coming on. Um, but, you know, in Kelvin Davis's defence, he's, he's played an absolute blinder and probably one of the best games of his career in the first 45 with some of the saves made. The second half was a disappointment, wasn't it? They seemed to shut us down very effectively, especially after Victor Wanyama came on at the second half. That was a key tactical change, in my view. Yeah, they seemed to, you know, they seemed to come out a completely different side in the second half. And, um, you know, I think once they scored, we, we didn't really, um, you know, penetrate their area much after, after that. And I think it was only ever going to finish one way at that point. A disappointing result, really, on the back of the Manchester City game. But we didn't really expect to get anything there. So, especially with all the results going our way last weekend, everyone in the bottom six lost. It wasn't really anything to worry about, was it? No, I, I mean, I think if you'd, um, you know, if you'd looked, looked at it in the week coming up to it, you would have thought... Um, it's a game, obviously, if we could win, you'd want to win. But I think we'd already sort of maybe got more than people expected when they came to the turf in great four million the season. We managed to beat them. So, um, you know, it wasn't one that I think we were banking on. Though I did see someone on Twitter say that that was it. We were relegated when the second goal went in. I was like, really? I was like, by that measure, if we got beaten by City last week, we were down. So yeah, it's, it's turning around very quickly at the moment. Everyone seemed very positive after the Manchester City game. International breaks giving everyone a bit of time to reflect, I suppose. With eight games left, we're only a point off Sunderland. How do you see it shaping up for the next few weeks? Um, well, I think it, it's, it's, it's a situation I could go which way. Um, Sunderland, obviously, I think what's really important for us is that Sunderland didn't manage to get a win under 
you know, since sacking uh, Poyer, which is, I think, something that, that does work in our favour because quite often you get the new manager effect and they bounce back straight away. Um, so I think for them to start off in a disappointing fashion and doing manager is really important for us and it you know it gives us a good opportunity to um, get the points we need to catch up. How do you assess Burnley's season overall? Are we about where you would have expected at this stage of the season? Um, yeah, well, I think maybe the better way to put it is I'm, I'm where I would have thought we'd be. Considering sort of the money we spend, you always knew we were going to be around the bottom. Um, so I think to be coming into this stage... With it all still to play for, I think is you know uh, definitely encouraging. Um, and I think if anything, it's possibly been the other way around, hasn't it? So the last time we were in the Premier League, where you know we had a magic start and we were really good for the first you know sort of five six games at home. Um, this time we've started off probably more disappointing, but we've picked up um, you know a good set of wins around you know the the build up to Christmas. Um, and I think most importantly, actually, is that we've managed to get stuff away from home, which has meant that you feel any game we can get some points from. And I think that's what we really needed coming into the run-up, knowing that you know the away games, we've got a chance to get something. You too. certainly hope that we can take confidence from beating Manchester City, going to Chelsea and getting draws. That's a sign that we don't have anything to fear from the last few games, I feel. I just hope that after going to Southampton and being fairly soundly beaten, that that confidence has lasted and the morale has has been maintained in the squad over the break but I think one of the positive things for us is that we've been so competitive over the season there's only really been the West Brom game where we got turned over and that was obviously the strange circumstances with a lot of um, injuries and players missing and we were playing a different formation when you look at teams like Sunderland who've gone to Southampton and been beating 8-0 they were beating 4-0 at home to Villa we haven't had those sort of beatings have we we've been in almost every game this season yeah I'd say um... I don't think he said it as much this season, but uh, last season, Dice obviously quite often went on about how um, our only real target was to to compete every game, and I think we've done that in the you know in the Premier League. Um, I think if anything, we may be more disappointed that we haven't competed for maybe the full ninety minutes. Um, I mean that's certainly been the case in a couple of games at home where. Um, obviously, West Brom was definitely one at home where we've we've been in dominating positions and. We've let the other team back into it. That is a concern. I, I really hope it doesn't come down to us going down by a point or two because we've, we've had the opportunities to get those results. Looking at the games coming up then, three of our next four are at home, but then three of the last four are away. How do you see the fixture list benefiting us? and What are the negatives and the positives of the games that we've got coming up? The next two games, Spurs-Arsenal, both on TV as well. Does that give us any sort of psychological edge after beating Man City? Am I just grasping at straws there? Um, I, I think, I can't remember, I haven't seen it personally, but someone was mentioning to me um, the tables where the, you, you put how teams have done against the top 12 and how teams have done against the bottom 12. And, you know, against the top 12, I think we'd actually be out of the relegation zone. Um which means, yeah, I think we can take a bit of you know, encouragement out of some of the teams that are coming up. Obviously, the next two home games being Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, and the results we've got against against, uh, against teams like Man City. Um, personally, I, you know, I think we rise to the occasion against the big teams. I think the, you know, the players relish that kind of um, that kind of game. And so I think it's good that we've got a couple of those coming up now. With the games that we've got left, there are eight games left. I think it's it's probably fair. I mean, you might have a different view of this, but I've, I've been thinking about 35 points as being a good target to aim for, which would be three more wins and a draw. Looking at the fixtures, Leicester at home seems like one that we have to really get three points from. Maybe Stoke at home as well. Hull away. 
Villa away on the last day. Those are the games where you think we're really targeting them. Hull in particular, they're going to be down there at the same time, aren't they? I'd say those are the ones you've you know you've definitely got to got to cash in on. Um, but at the same time, I actually feel quite confident we'll we'll get something out of Tottenham or Arsenal. Um, it just feels like those are the right kind of games uh, for us. Uh, and I think actually out of the eight games that are left, the big positive is that we haven't got a really big side away. I mean, Everton's the you know the biggest side you'd say we've got away from home, um, and even they're not you know obviously West Brom actually above them this season, but there's there's no real I'd say very threatening side to play uh, away from home. Whereas I know a couple of the other teams around us have got to go to places like City and they've got to go to like United etc. And that's obviously what you don't want in your state games. Um, but I can really sort of see it going down actually to the last day against against Villa at their place and it could be the case of we need to win to, to get them, them relegated instead of us. Looking at the other teams, obviously at the moment Leicester and QPR are a bit cut off but I suppose it only takes a couple of results for that to change. Do you think it is a case of those two almost certainly being gone and then a 3-4 team fight for the to avoid the last place? How do you see it shaping up at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I personally see it as you know, Leicester and QPR are pretty much as good as down. You, you know, QPR's situation could maybe turn around, but I think it'd be really, really difficult for Leicester from here. Um, you know, I think Pearson lost the pot a, a good while ago um, with some of the stuff he's been doing in press conferences. And I just can't see him getting it, getting his team out of that situation. Um, and I think QPR are pretty much down as well. So I think it really does leave it for that last spot between us and uh, Sunderland Villa Hull and... Um, I think those are the teams that we're going to be fighting to get one of them beneath us on the, the last day of the season. What's your gut feeling at this stage then? Do you think Burnley have, it in, have enough in the squad to stay up? I want to say we'll stay up, but I'm just a little bit nervous about you know game, games like Leicester at home because we've seen before, uh, we've, we've seen teams before, you know, from the bottom half come to the turf and we've we've started well gone to a two 0 lead and we've ended up drawing or we've ended up losing and I'm just a little bit concerned that could happen because that is really I think the the first the the really big games coming up. You know, obviously you'd like to get something out of one of the three before it, but that is the game that when we come to that, you've got to say that's got to be three points. That's really got to be a three point game for us. Um but obviously maybe if we get something against Tottenham or Arsenal that might actually take the pressure off a little bit and it might sort of ease those worries that we're going to um, crack under the pressure in that game. There's so much pressure, so much pressure on that game. Yeah. I think there is really that you know, that possibility. Um, so you think it will be the last game, potentially a case of us or Villa, winner takes all? I mean, obviously, I, I think we all remember being at Wembley for, for promotion the first time and um, having to cope with, you know, 80-odd minutes of 1-0. Um, just imagine the same thing at Villa. I'm dreading it even now. It's two months away. I can, I can barely bear to, to think about it. It's so stressful. Um, looking, at, looking ahead then, um, we should briefly talk about the Spurs game. It's it's one of these where, on paper, you wouldn't really expect us to get much, but uh, like you've pointed out already, our recent history against the, the bigger clubs has been quite good. We know a lot about Spurs. We've played them three times already this season. How do you see that game going? Are you confident we'll get something? I actually really, really fancy us against... Um against Spurs there's um there's just something about them I think out of the you know the top sides that you just don't feel sure that you know who's going to turn up um and I think defensively they're actually quite frail you know I think they've, they've relied quite a lot on the Loris to make them look better than they are defensively um 
and I think they, they're quite reliant on a couple of key players obviously Harry Kane in particular You, if you take him out of the side you don't really know where the goals are, are coming from and uh, I'd say probably Christian Eriksen in the midfield so if you can keep those two quiet you know you've got every chance against them and the last time they played us in the Premier League at Tottenham, obviously we won 4-2 on the last day of the season and when we were already down so um, and that was a side of Gareth Bale in so I think we've we've got a fair chance, and you know if we can if we can beat Spurs, that's going to give us such a boost going into those you know seven games that are left after that. Right, next up we've got QPR fan Jules. You're the first one from the bottom three that we've spoken to, apart from the Burnley fan. How how do you feel the season's gone so far? You've got to be disappointed to be second bottom. I'd, at this uh, stage. Yeah, I, I don't feel massively positive about it. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, funnily enough, I'm on the I'm on the QPR, the official QPR site, and if you look at the fixtures list, it, you can scroll down, and it's got the, it wins, losses, and draws in different colours, and it's done on a traffic light system. So obviously, wins are in green, and uh, draws are in in orange, and and uh, or amber, and and reds are in a uh, uh, losses are in red. There's a lot of red. As you scroll down the thing, it's, and, and basically, the last couple of months uh, are essentially all red, apart from the win at <laughs> Sunderland. <laughs> I suppose it was always likely to be a, a battle, wasn't it? But yeah, it was going to be a struggle. We to be had fair. you on the podcast earlier, and we talked about Harry Redknapp and whether he had the fight for it. Mm. I suppose the fact that he, he walked away with his dodgy knees suggests yeah, that maybe he Harry, didn't have the fight for it. Poor old Harry Redknapp's knees; it must have been terrible for him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I I was quite surprised actually. I thought Harry would be more of a fighter than that. But having said that. He's just got found out, hasn't he? Really, I think. I think. I think that's the that's the thing. And, and we've just been left with such a kind of a, a a ragtag squad, really. I mean, I I just. I mean, I'd say I don't know what's happened. Just nothing has happened, really. I think that's the issue. We've had so very so few players that have really performed sort of at, at, at their best, really. And it's just been a disaster, really. I mean, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I, I mean, looking at the final eight fixtures that we've got, the run-in, I mean, I've looked at the, the fixture list the rest of the season. The only hope we've got is that there are three people around us. There's Albi, there's West Bromwich, Albion, there's um, Villa, and then we've got to play Leicester as well. Though, to be honest, we're playing Leicester on the last day of the season and we'll probably both be down by then. But working on the base that we might not be, we've managed to beat all three of those teams earlier in the season, which is fine, even if we get three wins from those three matches. All we've got left to do is Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, Newcastle and West Ham. So dead easy, really. <laughs> it does look tough, doesn't it? I mean, I think Hull have probably got the worst running on the lot, but you've been so reliant on your home form all season to have Chelsea, West Ham and, and Newcastle. They're, they're not games that you really don't expect to get three points from, are they? No, and also our home, our home form has fallen. It has dipped, in, yeah. In the last couple of months as well. We can't even rely on Fortress Loftus Road anymore. It's 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 appalling. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of positives. I really am. And... and I just, I just can't find any really, and and everything about the season has just been a cock up, really. Um, even you know Tony Fernandez, even Harry's replacement, we quite blatantly didn't get who Tony Fernandez wanted us to to get. When his dream his, manager. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no offense, Chris Ramsey, but I'm not entirely sure it was him. <laughs> Although, to be honest, you know, I, I I did say to my mate, why on earth would Loudrop want to come to Queens Park Rangers? And and so it proved. Well, exactly. I was going to ask you about Chris Ramsey. He seems like a really good bloke, but... He does, actually. I feel is rather... Is he cut so- out for... I mean, I suppose you could say QPR will 
doomed whatever happened. But mm, you managed so. to get that result and some of the first away points you've got all season, but then you've lost five in a row since then. Yeah, absolutely. In my, um, I, I haven't been to any matches this season. I was going to go to a few home games and um, didn't for various reasons. And now my mate that I do go with has um, has warned me off. It has to be said. <laughs> she two matches in a row. She is um, she's a uh, well three because she went to the Palace game, which was at, at Palace. But three matches in a row, she's left and missed the QPR goal because we've been so appalling before that <laughs> point. She's just walked. So I'm not I'm not you know necessarily going to save my pennies to watch us get stumped by Chelsea. I don't think so um i don't know what we'll do next season i think we every year we seem to say oh we need a restructure and then someone comes in and spends loads of money on just a load of old rubbish so i I don't know what's going to happen i think ramsey would be a good manager to rebuild um whether or not he gets the chance to do that after we go down i don't know it's strange isn't it because when clubs come up there's normally some momentum but keep you just it feels like a club that's drifting a little bit doesn't it it does absolutely and uh, i talked to again to my mate and we, we we'd like a sort of a, a a premiership championship in between league please a prem champ <laughs> with a where qpr playing that and, with west brom <laughs> yeah qpr west brom brom brighton leicester even burnley i mean we could all hang out together in that kind of no man's land of teams that that can't quite cut it in the premiership yet see to be able to deal with the championship very easily. I suppose one bright spot from you season has been Charlie Austin, who of course we know all about. Oh, that's true. Charlie's goals have dried up a little bit, but he's done his best, hasn't he? I think the highlight is probably the... Was it he's West one Brom the, at home where he got a hat trick to hold yeah, you back he's, in it from behind? He's one of the few players that emerges with credit, really. I think um, he he is yeah he's done really well. Like 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 you said, that is a bright spot. Although again, whether or not we get to hold on to him if we go down is another matter. I think he's probably scored enough goals to get a move, hasn't he? He's got to be looking at staying in the Premier League. And, and, I, possibly, and I don't think possibly England in the future. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, I don't think any anybody. I don't think any sensible QPR could begrudge him a move. Really, I mean, he's 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 done his best for us, and and you know, he can't do it on his own. Barton's been all right this season, but the problem with Barton is every time he gets into a pattern, you think that he's he's fixed and doing well again. Then something happens and he flips out again. Really. Yeah, you you never know what you're going to get from Joey Barton apart from chaos, basically. Well, <laughs> you do know what you're going to get, just absolute bedlam. It's such a pity because he really, I think he genuinely is very talented and I also genuinely think that he does care. Um, he that's that, I think that shows the mess that QPR in, really, that one of the only players that genuinely looks like they really care and is bothered also happens to be a, a bit of a loony. You sound quite resigned to your fate, but the next two games, West Brom and Villa away, I suppose there there are opportunities to get points there. There are. I think, like I say, of the eight eight games we've got, I think the best hopes are are Albion, Villa and uh, and, Leicester on the last day of the season, but that might not count for anything at all. But I certainly think... If we could get six points from from Albion and Villa, which is is optimistic, but if we could even get four points from those two games, two in a row, Saturday and Tuesday, that would at least give us some momentum going into Chelsea. We are at home against Chelsea. Again, that doesn't really seem to count for much nowadays, but it's local derby. Um, very nice day for Hammersmith, please, I should think. But, um, but yeah, I mean... If we could get some level of momentum coming into the Chelsea game, that because that, uh, we got two London, we got Chelsea game, and then we got two weeks off before West Ham. So, who knows if if we if we could get you know six points from those three matches, that that might do. You are and then four points to drift, though, so it, it's a tough ask, isn't it? Well, it it is really. I, I think that I think the mass is against us. I mean, 
the problem is that if we'd shown any level of form earlier in the season, you could say, oh, well, maybe we can nick a point at Chelsea and if we can nick a point at Liverpool and, and maybe one at Man City. But I just can't see it happening, to be honest, particularly as we're playing we're playing Liverpool at Anfield and Man City up at the Etihad. I mean, I, 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 just, I just can't see it happening, really. You never know, but... I think QPR fans have sort of known all along, really. <laughs> looking, at, <laughs> looking at the at the the rest of the bottom six, then what's mm. what's your feeling about how it's going to play out for everybody else at the moment? You think Leicester Leicester are already gone? I think Leicester have had it. Left? To be honest, really, I, I I mean they're three point. I know they've got a game in hand on us, but they don't have a great run in. I think Leicester have had it. Um, I don't know. Looking at looking at the bottom six. Villa seem to have sparked into life a bit. I think that Villa are probably going to stay up. To be honest, I, I, I think that I think Villa will stay up. I think I, I think Hull will probably stay up. I think the I think Sunderland could go either way. To be honest, I mean I I think that I, I shouldn't even really be saying this, but I suppose it's the right thing to say on the Bernie podcast. I think that we're down, and I think that Leicester are down, and I think the third spot is the third relegation spot is is going to turn into a face-off between Sunderland and Burnley, really, as the table is at the moment. I think I think that's how it's going to play out, and I I, I genuinely don't know which way it's going to go. I suppose from our point of view, it would be quite handy if you could go to Villa and win. <laughs> yes, I was going to say useful. it. Would, it would help. Weirdly, QPR and Burnley could actually help each other out quite a lot during the running. I think I, 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 I don't know. I mean, Villa under. I mean, to be honest, I think QPR. We must be kicking ourselves that we didn't have a go at getting Sherwood. To be honest, because he he. For all of the criticism of him at Tottenham, he certainly does seem to be a motivator for certain types of players, and I I think we need a Sherwood type at QPR. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, Sherwood got linked with a lot of the jobs, didn't he? Because he was out of work, but Villa were the ones that went for him. And it looks like he's going to keep him up there. Do you think maybe you'd have had more of a chance if Redknapp had gone earlier and you'd have had that bit more time? Ramsey's I not think really so. anything, has he? No, I can't. I can't remember when when Redknapp went. This season was just blurred into one miserable long scream, really. <laughs> but um, I, 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 to be honest, I'd have had Redknapp gone by Christmas. I think if we'd have got it, if we'd have. Not necessarily got rid of Redknapp because I, I still can't bring myself to dislike Harry Redknapp despite what's happened. But despite um, everything, <laughs> yeah, despite everything, despite the handwriting of a three-year-old taxed tax, to crazy tax antics, I still quite like Harry. But I, I, I just think if we made cha- major changes before Christmas or around the Christmas period, that at least would have given us four months to have a proper a proper bang at it. Whereas like you say we we you know it's just kind of deck chairs on the titanic really is it's is the feeling amongst the qpr massive i think well i'd love to say best thought for the rest of the season but frankly we need you to be doors yeah well, absolutely hopefully you'll win at villa but i still hope you got out well, thank you very much it's been a pleasure <laughs> no worries <laughs> thanks for coming yeah. on that was qpr fan jobs Next up, then, we've got Leicester fan Jim, who's also the chief betting editor for Goal. Um, Leicester, bottom of the table, have been for a while. How do you assess the season as a whole? It's not been much fun, I imagine. No, it, uh, it started with <laughs> so understatement. <laughs> it started with so much promise, though, as well. Like, we legitimately looked half decent in the first half a dozen uh, games. Like, we had um, Everton on the first day of the season who obviously got into the Europa League last year we were kind of thinking that'll be a really good barometer about where we are Um, got a 2-2 draw with them drew with Arsenal beat Manchester United 
Um, and, you know, got picked up a few points, one away at Stoke, which was kind of at that point still being trotted out as, you know, one of the really tough away games in the Premier League because it's windy and Stoke and uh, no one likes to go there. Well, we won at Stoke as well, but that's pretty much the only place we've won. Well, exactly. I think that theory's probably been... Um, disproved this year by those two results alone um but yeah it's been kind of disappointing on the whole there's still a lot of fans clinging to that whole we've been really unlucky like um we've not had our kind of rub of the fair share of rub of the green but i think you're always likely to think that no matter which club you support you always remember the the shocking penalties that you didn't get given or the dodgy penalties given against you and you kind of tend to forget the uh the Jamie Vardy, Raphael incident against United that really turned the game, like when he basically committed GBH on the uh, touchline, like right in front of me, and then and then basically got a, a feather wafted in his direction and went down and got a penalty. So, yeah, it's um, it's been disappointing to say the least because we had such high hopes coming up after such a dominant championship winning year, and you know, ten years away, there's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm in the city and fair play to the fans. Like we've sold out every home game. Still, there's still people turning up to see. Um, you know, whoever we're playing, whether it be a team from the top, middle or bottom, which is great. So fingers crossed we maybe uh, can carry some of that momentum through to next year and uh, just see where we are in terms of season ticket sales and stuff because that's all gonna it's all going to add up next year. One of the games that, that felt decisive for Burnley was when we played at Leicester actually and got that, that goal right at the end, the Ross Wallace free kick. Um, a lot of our fans remember Nigel Pearson's comments after that game. He seemed quite bitter about it. Understandably, when he just lost two points in such a big game. Um, does that game stand out for you as one where... I think that's the one, actually. I think you're right. Um, the reason being that I think we approached it with somewhat of an arrogance as well. Um, I think because Burnley, obviously, had started the season quite poorly. Obviously, I know you had some difficult games, but... Um, for us to, you know, at that point, everyone was thinking, oh, could Leicester be the surprise package? And we were already being labelled that at that point. And I think we basically started to believe our own hype before we'd almost got into double figures in the points total, um, which is a really stupid thing to do. And I think it just showed in that game, if I remember correctly. So it was 1-0 Leicester, 1-0, 2-1 Leicester. And then I think it was before half time, it was 2-1, wasn't it? Or just after half time, there's a long gap between our second goal and the equaliser right at the very end. And we just seem to stop playing. We seem to sit off and we just kind of seem to assume that, oh, it's Burnley. They're probably going to get relegated this year. We'll just sit off them and then we'll coast to a 2-1 lead. And obviously, you can't do that. You just can't have that kind of arrogance about you when it comes to the Premier League. I think... We, like I say, we started to believe our own hype and that showed, I think, that there's a, there was a, a big flaw psychologically in the squad where, um, despite the fact normally you'd think Pearson would be getting everyone to keep their feet on the ground, um, maybe he'd started to believe our own hype as well and kind of came up, we came up short. And from then on, I think that started a run of maybe 12, 13, I think it was 13 games where we picked up two points from an available 36. I might be wrong. It might be one more than that. It might be 14, but I'm pretty sure it was two points from 36 available before we beat Hull uh, just after Christmas, which is just incredible. You can't go for a run like that um, and just absolutely like devastated our season, basically. Um, and we've never really, we've never really recovered in all honesty. You know, we've got, I think, 19 points now, which is a shambles. People are looking at the, fixtures for the end of the season going it's okay we only need to win five out of our six home games 
Lads, we haven't won five games all season. We played thirty odd. How do you think we're going to win five out of the last ten? Are you a bit surprised that you stuck with the manager, given how tough it's been? Obviously, he did take you back to the Premier League, but a lot of teams in your position would have changed it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, there was the um, the incident in kind of mid February, um, about five or six weeks ago now, where yeah, we did actually, we did actually sack him, and we then basically the way it works is that our, our chairman and his son are kind of both very involved in the club, and I think it was one wanted him to go and sacked him, and then I think it was the, the father that sacked him, and the son who's actually the one that's more hands on in the club, the dad's the money. And the son's the, the kind of hands-on um, member of the board. So, you know, he's managed to talk him out of it. And then at that point, Tony Pulis had already gone to West Brom. Um, and we were looking down the list of candidates and thinking, actually, is there anything wrong with sticking with Pearson now? Like, we are probably going to go down. But if we do, we know that he's probably a good man to try and get us out of it again. Um, and we, it, it almost felt like we'd accepted our fate and started planning for next season at that point, which is bizarre because he just spent nine million pounds on a striker in the, summer, in, uh, the January transfer window, which is another story in itself. But I suppose we'll see. Well, I, I suppose the proof's in the pudding. If that decision gets vindicated, you're going to see it next year. So I am surprised that we stuck with him, but I'm kind of it's refreshing in a way to kind of see a club do it because. In all honesty, I think a lot of clubs, particularly because Pearson can be a bit of a, I'll use the PG version, it can be a bit of an argumentative sod at times. Um, and I think a lot of clubs would have cited him kind of bringing the club into disrepute, like the James MacArthur thing, um, the general swearing at journalists in press conferences. It's just, he's like a petulant child sometimes, which I think rubs a lot of people up the wrong way in the media and has kind of turned Leicester from the plucky underdog to that team with the real beep as a manager who we can't wait to see the back of a little bit, which is a shame because that's probably how our season is going to be remembered now. It probably won't be for results like um, the United game or going to Liverpool on New Year's Day and coming from 2-0 down, two dodgy penalties to turn it around and get a draw. Um, It will be, remember Leicester, they went down with 25 points and everyone hated Nigel Pearson. But, you never know. We could be back here in two years' time. Hopefully not rock bottom of the league, but we'll see where we are in in six months' time. I think if he has a bad start to next year, next year, obviously without without saying that he's going to be he's going to be binned. But he's deserved his chance. I hope. I just hope they don't bin him at the end of the season now, because otherwise, what's the point? You might as well have done it in February when you had the chance to give someone like Tim Sherwood a kind of a, a bash and see if he could have motivated us to forty points as opposed to. Um, Pearson trying to grind it out. Obviously, results haven't been good recently, but as you pointed out, your running isn't that bad compared to a lot of the teams down there. You have got a lot of games at home, possibly winnable games as well. West Ham, Swansea teams haven't really got that much to play for. Is there any hope at all, or do you think it's pretty much all over? I mean, I I can't... Sometimes you look at the teams running and you say, yeah, kind of... We could do that, you know, you could say... I always used to look at Wigan's running. You know when they had Roberto Martins and every year they used to pull 20 points out of the fire between February Yeah, you never know this, sort of, this time well, of season. Well, like, No one know. expected us to beat City the other Yeah, way. and as you've said, you know, big results can happen. You know, it's probably going to take something like us turning over like a, like Chelsea at home 
basically. It'd probably take us to, to, to get a few points against the likes of like Swansea or West Ham and, and get a big few results like that. But it, it could happen. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, the thing, do you know what? I've spoken to about a dozen people in the last couple of weeks that have said the same thing to me. They've said, the funny thing about Leicester is I always watch you and you never play that badly. You just never seem to get any points. <laughs> you just always lose. <laughs> it's, it's, That's the uh, sign of a team that goes down. If you're writing an obituary for our season, it'd be, there go Leicester City. They played well, but never got any points. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating though, because I'd rather us go out and try and win games. Like the whole City game was a great example. The home game from a couple of weeks ago, just before the international break. They went down to 10 men with about 20 minutes to go. And we'd already beaten them at the KC this year. They're one of the only teams that we've beaten away. And we could have just gone for it. We were still playing five at the back after 85 minutes. And then Pearson took off Captain Wes Morgan, who's been absolute rubbish this year, and put on another attacking player. And it's like, why don't you do that 20 minutes ago? If we lose 1-0, in reality, it doesn't matter. Like, I'd have rather have gone all out and tried to get the three points, especially against Hull, who aren't... It's not like we've got Tottenham or Chelsea or Manchester United or Arsenal where a draw is going to be creditable. Like, Hull are probably going to stay up. They were happy to take a draw with 10 men. Steve Bruce has just signed a new contract, so he's happy to take a draw. And we just never seem to, to go for the throat a little bit, which is frustrating. But you never know. It's just, it's going to be, uh, if it happens, I'll be obviously over the moon, not only because we're staying up, because it'll be one of the most miraculous kind of turnarounds in Premier League history. Now, there can't be many points and many teams that were this far off, rock bottom of the league and actually stay up. Looking at the rest of the bottom six with eight games to go, nine games to go for Leicester, then, what are your thoughts about how it's going to play out for everybody else? Leicester and QPR are gone. I've said that for a while. Um, and I, I can see, obviously, I when, when Tim Sherwood took over at Aston Villa, I was kind of dead set convinced that he was going to relegate them purely because I just thought he yeah, was, he's a glorified <laughs> cheerleader and I still kind of I think next year we'll see like how it'll I think it, it'll be a bit like his Spurs kind of tenure where at the end of this year we'll probably keep them up they'll be 15th with I don't know 38 points because let's be honest somebody's probably going to stay up this year with 34 35 points it's going to take 40 so they could stay up in, in 15th or something like that and then next year they'll probably get relegated with 30 but we'll see I was convinced they were going to go down um I think Burnley and I'm not just saying it because I'm on here but I think they've shown enough to stay up and I kind of hope they do because everyone says about us like oh yeah, but, you know, not got a huge budget, blah, blah, blah. And we have, like, I know compared to the rest of the Premier League, we have. But in reality, we spend an absolute fortune on wages and transfer fees. Like, Burnley have probably spent less in transfer fees this year as a whole of the season than we spent on Ujoa or Cramerich in the, the last transfer. Yeah, it's probably comparable. So, yeah, you know, you can't, eight, nine, can't always point to that and say, oh, we were one of the smallest teams, smallest budgets. Burnley probably got the smallest squad with the smallest wage bill, spent less on transfer fees than us, and they're still giving it a better fist of staying up. Um, so if I had to pick one other team to go down, probably Sunderland, I think. I'm not sure Dick Advocat's got what it takes to keep them up. I think they look pretty full-on as a squad. And I just think that West Ham result, like they had the chance to get something out of it. And with the kind of the, the Sacco goal right at the very end, I just felt it's a bit... Bit of a bit of a sickener. So, and they've obviously got. I think they've got the derby coming up as well um, next weekend against Newcastle. So that that could be a huge kind of 
a huge turning point potentially for them. That, that, yeah, I think the, the Derby's going to be one of the biggest games. I think if they lose that, it's going to be very, very tough for them, especially with, I don't think their running's that good either. So if I was to push you for three, your three would be QPR, Leicester and Sunderland? Yeah, probably in that order as well. I think we might overtake QPR by virtue of the fact that we have got some, as you said, winnable games. But I think we'll probably still go down with kind of late late 20s. We'll probably go down with like 28, 29 points. Um, and I think we'll, we'll just sneak above QPR. Well, thanks for coming on and best luck for the rest of the season. Although, obviously, not when you come to Turf Moor because we kind of need to win. Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, Jim. Right, so next up we've got Stephen from Aston Villa Review. Um, it's been a strange old season for you, I suppose, with Sherwood seemingly turning it around in the last few weeks. How do you assess the season as a whole? Uh, oh, it's been horrible, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think there was a lot of optimism going into it. Um, but, you know, Paul Lambert decided to, to sort of change his tactics. There was um, the whole Roy Keane debacle, and, and slowly but surely... Um, you know, we made a good start, but then it all started unraveling, and uh, it became pretty clear that something needed to change, and it, it didn't change when it should have. Um, and you know, obviously now Sherwood's come in, and, and there's a bit more of a vibrant atmosphere around the place. You know, there, there are sort of questions about whether it might still be too late. Um, do you think Lambert went a bit too late then? There were positive signs at the start of the season and he got that bump in his contracts it seemed like it was going to be different this year but it turned out to just be the same yeah it was it was a strange decision because um we'd sort of you know we'd had two years of sort of peaks and troughs with him um and I, I think by now it, it sort of became quite clear that you know we're not really going to push on under him but then of course like you said we did have that good start and we we effectively gave him a new contract for not losing for five games, um, two of which were draws. Uh, and I, I think it, it was, you know, on reflection, it maybe was slightly important to make sure that he stayed in place with, with the club being up for sale and everything. But, um, you know, looking back as well, it, it was the wrong move. And we've, we've, of course, had to buy him out of his contract to, to get rid of him. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would have got rid of him last season um, and I think he was on the final straw with a lot of fans in, in sort of the you know their good graces Tim Sherwood seems to have been linked with every job that came up this season what were your thoughts when he first got linked with the job uh, he he wasn't the person I'd have gone with um, <laughs> <laughs> you know not in a million years I, I've said all along that the Villa job isn't one that you're thrust into I think it's a job that you earn Um and, you know, I don't say that with any sort of inflated sense of self. You know, obviously, we're, we're quite a historic club. It's it's a big club. Um, I just don't think that, you know, the right man to, to pull the club forward is someone who doesn't have all of the necessary qualifications and or experience yet. Um, I mean, you know, there's no doubting that he's sort of injected a bit more life in, into the place, which is brilliant. Um, and I think he probably does stand a good chance of keeping us up. But the, the big question is what, what's going to happen next season, of course, whether we go up or stay down. Uh, go down or stay up, sorry. He, he's, he didn't have the best of starts initially, did he? But the results at Sunderland looks like it's going to be, be crucial to go to a, a team that's fighting down there at the bottom with you and beat them so comfortably. 
when your away form has been so poor all season. That that result it sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, uh, didn't see it come in, but um, we have a, we generally have a good record up at the Stadium of Light. So coming off the back of the two um, Albion games, I think confidence is quite high that we we'd get something. Um, certainly didn't expect to be four 0 up going into the half, but yeah, football it's a, it's a funny old game, as they say. So you know, you won't hear anyone complaining, but. Um, I, you know what it was it was great to see as well because we, so many times already this season we've slipped up against teams around us um Sunderland at home and Palace at home and Hull away we slipped up in games where we sh- we really were expected to get something and we should have got something and so to to actually sort of put one of those demons to bed was a, a big plus yeah the FA Cup run has obviously livened up the season for Villa especially with some of the teams you've gone out to in the Cups in the last couple of years. But is there a danger that the going to Wembley is going to be a bit of a distraction? You've got three big games before that that trip to the capital. Yeah, well, a- April is going to be absolutely massive. Um, we've, we've got it very tough indeed. I think we've, we're away to Man United next, uh, home to QPR, then away to Man City, and then I think it's the Cup game, and then away to Spurs. Um so yeah, it's not going to be an easy month, and there is that danger. Um, and uh, you know, it's part of why the, the semi-final shouldn't be at Wembley is because it, it's adding to what would norm, normally just be a, a semi-final. It's now become a, a full-blown event, and you can't help but think, you know, we we do have quite a young squad in there that um, a few of them might take their eyes off the ball um, when there are. But you you know, you have to sort of way up in your own mind which is more important um staying in the premier league or or actually winning a trophy and you know we're not going to win the premier league anytime soon and i think i was 10 years old the last time we won a trophy so i'd quite like to see us do that again i suppose the risk is that you do a wigan and win the cup but still got relegated yeah focused on the cup run and looking at your fixtures you say you've got trips to man united spurs and city in the next month but after that three of your last four games are at home including obviously Burnley on the last day um, surely having those home games and they're against teams that probably aren't going to have it. Everton and West Ham you would expect to be clear by then so they're not going to have anything to play for is having three out of four home games going to be key for Villa do you think? It probably will be yeah um, I mean you look, you look at April's fixtures and you apart from QPR which um, you know, by virtue is just going to have extra pressure on it you can't really see where the three points are going to come from. So to have teams who don't really have anything to play for is probably going to be quite vital. Um, I'm just hoping that it doesn't come down to the final day against against Burnley. I'm certainly hoping that's the case. already dreading it and it's two months, so I think it's going to be awful. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts then? Do you think Villa are going to stay? You've got that three-point cushion at the minute, but I suppose April is, is so tough for you. It looks like it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I mean, before the Swansea game, I was actually feeling quite buoyant, but losing... It changes so quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought we were gone, and then we beat Man City, and then I'm like, oh, we're definitely going to stay up. It's like... <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Someone can beat somebody that you don't expect to, and all of a sudden, the whole complexion down there changes. Um, I think on current form, the only team that really look like they're gone is QPR, Um and perhaps Leicester as well, because they're cut quite quite far down at the bottom. But um, certainly everyone else in between, 
there and I think it's 14th, 13th, are still in danger of that of taking that last place. So, uh, I, I mean, I am confident. I think we've got the players to do it. Um, it's just whether we can sort of get over our own hoodoo and get out of our own heads and, and actually translate the talent we have into performances. I think the the key game is is going to be that QPR game at home. They've been so bad at away all season. Mm. I think if you get three points there, you stay clear going into those home games. If I was to press you then for your bottom three, your three to go down, who would you go for? Uh, I would go for Leicester, QPR and Sunderland. I'm glad you stayed away from Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us and, and best of luck apart from on the last day of course when hopefully... Um, hopefully we'll be safe by the clarity of a blue celebration on the last it'd day it'd be terrible for everyone involved I think if it went down to the last day that'd be awful thank you thanks a lot that was Stephen from Aston Villa Review right next up then is Stephen from the Wise Men Say Sunderland podcast it's been a funny old season for Sunderland so you've lost your manager recently how do you assess the season as a whole I wouldn't say funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's been funny for the rest of us at times. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been bizarre. But I, I was speaking to you guys after after we beat you, and you know before January we weren't far away. Really, um, we were just waiting for the fixtures to improve. Now, Gus Poyet signed Jumanda for, and when I was talking to you guys about it again, and he's tried to accommodate him by playing two up front, and he just he couldn't do it. He's he's. Basically, Gus Poyet showed in the end that he was a bit of a one-trick pony and um, he's got a default setting, a certain way of playing. And when he gets that right, it's brilliant to watch and it's it's it can be quite productive. But he couldn't, he he can't, when he's out of his comfort zone, he can't produce at the end of the day. And uh, he needed a goal because we were, we were, on a, we were on our way down. The trajectory was frighteningly downwards. What, what did you make of the timing of the decision to get rid of Gus Poyet? I don't think that had a choice. So the, the worst kept secret that he was going to go on the in the summer anyway. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't get on. He didn't get on with Lee Congerton, who's a sporting director. Um, and I think the, because it was so it was so erratic by the end. Like I said, when 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 he had his default setting and he, he was in his comfort zone and he played, we weren't. I might you know being an outsider, you might look and think that's. That's delusional or, or whatever, but it isn't. We weren't far away. We were playing good teams at home. And um, by the end, it was just so erratic. And we were seeing different teams every week, different formations every week. And he was just trying. He was just plucking things out of the air. And he didn't have a clue what to do. And I don't think they had a choice. Because, I, I mean, we, we lost 4-0. The game before that at Hull, somehow we got a draw at that. We played as bad as we did against Villa, and any decent team would have beat us 5 0, 4 0 that game as well. So I can't see. It sounds so simplistic to say that a new manager, you know, brings organisational qualities, doesn't it? So basic in football, that. But yet we needed it. And I don't even know, you know, whether it was advocate or anybody else. We just needed it. We needed a change desperately. I think the only argument is that maybe you should have gone earlier, but once you lose that game to Villa 4 0. I think he almost could have gone at half-time in that game. Yeah. It was inevitable after that. Uh-huh. I think the argument he could have gone earlier is an interesting one because, like I keep harping on, back to the changing the formations and everything to try and accommodate Jermaine Defoe. Now, most fans here want a two up front, very old-fashioned fans, play a two up front, get the ball forward quicker. Um, now, when he signed Jermaine Defoe, he did that. He tried to do that 
so then the argument is, I guess, it's only fair you give them a chance to to try and get it right, to try and stumble up across a system that that works. But in the end, he couldn't. It's it's strange though for for a Burnley fan's perspective. I came up to Sunderland at the end of January and you played your two up front and got balls into the box and you beat us quite easily in the end. We were dreadful that day. But yeah, was that just a, a rare occasion of going right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, what I do think that shows is that we we've got quality in the squad. Relatively speaking, of course we aren't particularly good, but I mean, compared to most sides down now, we on paper we've got a decent squad. Now, that proved that when they click, they're all right. Because, um, like you say, that was quite effortless that game, um, and we thought we took the complacency from that in the QPR a little bit, and Gus showed a lot of tactical naivety that night, and the heads went after that game, I think, and it's just trying to recover. And we're running out of games now. What do you make of? What do you make of Dick Advocat as a as a replacement? Then he seemed like a a bit a bit of a left field choice. He seems to have moved around a lot in the last years, mm. and he hasn't managed in England before. Even though he's what sixty seven, he's very experienced, but no experience of the That's Premier League. Strange, yeah. yeah. Was that legacy a left field a bit, and we were a little bit, you know, weren't exactly enthralled by it. But the the, the more you start looking at these things, he's he's got the experience, hasn't he? I guess I know you're saying not in England, but. Like I said, we just needed somebody who kind of knew how to set up a side. I, I, it didn't have to be anybody great because the squad's decent. And if somebody just gets them working and, and playing in tandem, then we, we, we could be okay, though. I'm, I'm not particularly hopeful. The, the fixtures that you've got left, obviously the derby's up next. Is, is that going to be make or break, do you think? You need to get a result in that game, really, don't you? You'd think so. You don't want to lose it, do you? Um, we've we've got Crystal Palace at home. I know Crystal Palace are playing well, but it's still a home game against them. And we've got Leicester have still got to come here. Southampton are playing well, so you wouldn't think we'd get much there. Um, we've got to go to Stoke, who are sort of one of those mid-table teams you want to play at this time of the season, aren't they? Um, we've done okay at Stoke a couple of times in in recent years. So you just never know. You know, you, I've done the you do the whole thing, don't you? Where you look at your fixtures and then you look at the sides around you, you look at their yeah, fixtures. Absolutely. Yeah, and you try and work it out, but it just doesn't work like that. Every season I do that and, and club and teams get results you don't expect them to get all the time. Well, some of them last season, of course, a great yeah, example with the your great nice. escape, we're going to Chelsea and winning. Mm. Um, well, well what we need, we need somebody, um I know me and you have had this debate before about the impact Conor Wickham had last season at that late stage. Now, what he did wasn't because he came and sort of um, dragged us over the line single-handedly, but what he did was he he provided a spark to get the rest of the players performing again. Because before we lost at Wembley, we were playing all right. When Gus Poyer came, we were seven points off second bottom. We were bottom seven points away. That you know, That's a big gap. And then we, by the time we got to Wembley, we, we won at Newcastle and we were out the relegation zone and we were doing all right. And then we just crashed after we lost in that final. And Conor Wigan sparked us back in our life. Um, I mean, for example, when we won at Old Trafford and we, were, we won 1-0 and we had a chance, uh, 1-0, we nearly went 2-0 up. Fabio Barini hit the bar and we put something like 37 or 27 passes together, uh, knocking the ball about. Now, that's not because Conor Wigan was playing. But he, what he had done is he's impacted, had just provided a little bit of a spark and we could do with someone doing that again, starting the Newcastle game, I think. It's a chance for somebody to be a hero all over again, isn't it? Looking at the faces you've got, I suppose Leicester at home is the one that you would certainly expect mm. to win, but after that you've got to go to Arsenal and Chelsea in the last yeah. week. Yeah, it needs to be done before then, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you really need to be aware by then. 
The only thing is, sounding like clutching at those straws, is Chelsea probably the title will have be walked. Won by then. Yeah, yeah, probably walk the league by then. So they might throw the kids in or something. You never know. You can hope, can't you? And Arsenal might be the same. They're likely to have already got their top four place by then. Mm, they might have the yeah. FA Cup final top four too as well. So yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, you're talking me around a little bit. But it's, a, <laughs> it's a hope that kills you, isn't it, really? What do you make of the other teams down there, then? Do you think it's a case of QPR and Leicester already you, being gone? I don't know. I think so. Do you think it's just us two now? I, I think QPR and Leicester are gone. I mean, yeah. we're going to So do you think there's anybody else, or do you think it's just... I, th- I, th- I don't think Villa are out of it, and I think Hull could get sucked in. I think Hull's running. I yeah. think Hull's running yeah. is the worst of the lot, actually. They've only got us at home that's winnable on paper. Obviously, we've already said that results can happen at this stage of the season but I think they've got the two Manchester clubs and Chelsea it's something ridiculous at home mm. they've got really tough games and the pressure's really going to be yeah. on when we go there Hull's the one I've got my eye on as well it's interesting isn't it because you don't know how many points you're going to need I think we were we, we were saying we might need eight or nine because it's going to be quite a low total this time around I think um, but then if you work on that basis you would say that Hull only needs six points and they're going to be okay and the, you know, that's probably doable so you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know <laughs> so exactly what right. I mean, I, I've been thinking about 35 for the last few weeks, which yeah, means 10 exactly. more for us, yeah. which is it's doable, I mean, eight games mm. left and three wins in a draw, it's not impossible, but we've only mm. won four games a small season, so it's I don't, That's strange, isn't it, because it's like, I think, you don't know, I don't know if it's just paranoia or what, because when, when you're being Man City, suddenly it's like, the mood up here is like, oh, now we're even Burnley winning the games, and like, I think you said to me on Twitter, well, actually, we're not, we've only won one. Like in recent times, but it doesn't seem like that because it's such a big it deal. It so quickly. Yeah, it's yeah. such a big deal at this stage of the season if the side wins a game. Yeah, I mean, um, the problem was gonna... we went, we then went to Southampton and put in a pretty awful performance. So, mm. how much of the momentum from City will have lasted through the international break as well? But yeah. I suppose that the confidence from being able to beat one of the best teams in the country, hopefully that, that will mm. last. But they are That's the only good, team, um, it's yeah, only it's them and good. QPR that we've beaten this year. So Yeah, it's the same. Well, it's the same. I mean, we, we've beat, I think we've only won one game, I think, since Christmas. You, I think we beat you. Can't think of anyone else we've beat. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to, um, to press it's, it's you remarkable. Then. It's remarkable that we aren't. We haven't been in the bottom three all season because we've been dreadful, to be fair. Like I said, before Christmas, we weren't that far away. But since Christmas, we've been awful. Absolutely awful at Holloway, Villa at home. Two of the worst performances I've seen in years, years and years and years. The Villa game, um, particularly. And... <laughs> I, I saw the extended highlights of the the Villa game, and the lack mm. of effort was just extraordinary. Yeah, know. it was similar to, to when you got you got done at Southampton, and was, the players yeah. were just walking around and just not even mm. trying. And there was a sense that they're down to us. And I think Poyer had to go after that. Yeah. I just want to ask you as well: um, What do you make of the Adam Johnson situation? <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? Because innocent until uh, proven guilty yeah. and all that. But it's not. Yeah, it's it's. It doesn't look great. You you would rather the, the we didn't have to be involved in that situation, of course. Um, I don't know. It's hard to comment on it because, like you say, we have obviously don't be. You get so many rumours and the, the so conf, the conflict with each other and the polarising and nobody knows. Um, What's happening? And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's something we've we've consciously tried not to talk about on the show, to be honest, because yeah. it's like it's, it's a bit of a minefield, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, because you're, no, you're going to either look at the end of it and say, well, you know, 
there was never anything to worry about and why did he stop him playing a bit like when Dave Jones was Southampton manager yeah exactly um, because be he was really nothing, bitter yeah. about that still because I got rid of him didn't I yeah, and of course he was innocent career, but then on yeah. the other hand if, if it goes the other way it looks bad on us that we've we've turned to somebody yeah I think it's the know. timing of it mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult if they've extended the investigation you don't know how long it's going to play yeah. out but it's mm. the fact that you said he was suspended pending the outcome then you mm-hmm. sat the manager and it looks like you're going down and suddenly it's available again. Like, yeah. You can't get away. I would feel quite bitter if we went down and you stayed up and Johnson yeah. played a big part. Yeah, you can't get away from the fact that that's what it looks like from the outside. Absolutely. I don't know. I guess the straws I'm clutching to again is that we don't know and the club might have been given some information. You d- I don't know. I really that's don't fair. know. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> hard to comment on it and, and you don't know. Yeah, that's true. Just to... to Push you finally then. Give us the bottom three to go down. Do you think Sunderland are going to stay up? Um, I really don't know, to be honest. As a Sunderland fan, negatively, I think, you know, we won't. If it, if I try and think with my head and not with my heart, funnily enough, because this would probably normally be the other way around with fans, I think, I think we might just do it. Um, because in that case, would it would it be us that goes instead? Do you think? I don't know. I've got a feeling for Hull. I've I don't got know. A feeling for Hull. I've got a feeling for Hull. I hope Hull go down <laughs> because just because of Steve Bruce. Just of Steve Bruce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But the thing is, the thing is, though, because a lot of people go on about the Steve Bruce as well from the outside, and I don't know how people perceive it, but obviously it gets played now media a lot. And, the way he's conducted himself since leaving, you know, he still goes on about it all the time. Now, I think he's quite bitter about it. Yeah, but, but you'd Poyet showed, you know, you'd, Poyet's obviously going to be upset with losing his job, but he put out the statement just thanking the fans and everything. And even if you don't mean it, it's just what you do. It's good PR, isn't it? And that's what's made that relationship worse because people would have probably fondly remembered Steve Bruce in years to come because we had some good times under him, but it's the way he's conducted himself since he's left. I think it, it would be fascinating if you went to Newcastle in the summer. I mean, that would be absolute mm. box office. You wouldn't be able to take your eyes off that. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I think that was a good place to leave it anyway. Thanks a lot for joining us. Okay, Stephen no from the, the Sunland Podcast, Wise Men Say. Right, finally, on this week's podcast, then we've got Peter from Tiger Link, which is Hull City website and forum. Um, Peter, how do you feel the, the season's gone so far? Well, it's been. Uh... As always with Hull City, it's been a very eventful season. I think at the very start of the season, there was a huge amount of optimism that, you know, second season syndrome would be overcome. And we had a chance of establishing ourselves in the Premier League and even getting to halfway. Uh, The way the season's panned out is that we had a sudden injury crisis when the army got injured around about November time. That was the start of a period of about eight to ten weeks when we had seven or eight key players missing and we had a terrible run of form. Just now we've returned to playing some very good football and although we lost to Chelsea the other day on, on Sunday, uh, we actually played very well and we're very pleased with it. But to some extent, that's been the story of our season. We have a much better side this year, much better players. But too often in games, we've lacked the killer instincts. And we've been in winning positions and been dominant in games, but not really got points when we should have. Best examples of that um, are a home game when we lost at home to Leicester City. 
when we're in complete control apart from one shot they had. And then Sunderland recently were were in complete command of the game and quite worryingly we just couldn't create enough to score the goals to beat them. So that's been a sort of constant theme through the season. I think at the moment on balance fans think that we will stay up but that it will be a pretty damn close run thing. And the most worrying thing for fans at the moment is that obviously our last four home games, uh, we have a fixture with Burnley, which will be a perhaps the, the classical cliched six-pointer. The six-pointer. Yeah. yeah, plus the other games we have, our home games, are against the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool. Probably not the three most easy fixtures to end the, the season with. You had a, a couple of really good wins in February, back to back, that seemed to pull you away from trouble. But since then, it's you've slipped back towards the drop. I think a lot of the teams that are down there have Hull in their sights as a team that could slide down the table in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think that's fair comment. And uh, probably we've been in a slightly false position in that we've looked safer than we are. Uh, the reasons for that, as I've just explained, you know, we've got that very tough running at home and then we haven't played well away from home this season. We're traditionally not a very good travelling side. And when people talk about our away form this season, they remember great uh, draws at places like Manchester City uh, and Liverpool and certainly Arsenal where, uh, you know, we, we should have won the game. But we've had some pretty dire away performances as well. Uh, probably the worst uh, of all of them was was at Burnley, where we just didn't play at all. Uh, full credit to Burnley, but that was probably our worst performance of the season because we simply didn't turn up. Uh, I mean, sort of contrast that with the fact that we had 19 shots against Chelsea. I seem to remember in the Burnley game, we hardly managed a shot at all. So, uh, you know, that's the state of affairs at the moment. Cautious optimism, but not overly so. And we are still in real danger, yeah. We spoke a little bit about the fixtures already, but looking at, at some of the games the other teams have, do do you think Hull's running is perhaps the worst of the lot? I mean, you mentioned the home games. You've got Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United to come to, to, to Hull, but... Going to Swansea, Southampton, Palace, Spurs, they're, they're not games you're, not, you're going to expect to get an awful lot from. No, I mean, if I can take the away fixtures first, probably when you're in relegation fight, you, you, you focus in on sides who don't have much to play for. And it may be that Swansea, Palace and Spurs don't have or won't have that much to play for. Now, it's always dangerous to say that about sides, but you know you, you live in hope, don't you? And Southampton is a really, really difficult place to go, and we have a terrible record there. But, you know, we have to go there with an expectation of points at the moment, and Swansea certainly. Palace are playing extremely well. Uh, I'd be very surprised if we got points there, but, you know, we have to really be treating every game as a cup final. And we can't rule out any fixture and accept it as a bonus fixture. You know, it, it really is. I think it's eight fixtures we have left. Every one of them we have to be fighting hard and not accepting, um, you know, sort of anyone as no, we won't get points there. I actually think that our fate might well be might well be decided by 
whether or not we can take points from those three home games against Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal. I actually think we need to take at least two points, so effectively, say, two draws from those games. Turning that round, were we to lose all three of those home games, I think we could be in a lot of trouble. It, like you say, if you don't get results in those games, it's going to put a lot of pressure on on the game when Burnley come to all that already looks like a a huge game just a couple of weeks before the end of the season. Is is there a feeling already a, a few weeks before that game comes that that could be one of the really decisive games that we've got to play? Increasingly so, I think. Oh, but only recently, because I, I think there was an expectation that somehow we wouldn't be in this position, which was, as I say, simply because there was a certain amount of complacency, I think. And until people have looked at the table in recent times, they haven't realised that in view of that tough home run-in, you know, we only need to have teams below us win a few games and we're suddenly in real trouble. But, I mean, there'll be the added spice of the, the return of George Boyd to the KC Stadium. It was very popular. And the fact that Burnley are a little bit of a bogey side for Hull City. That's true. We've got some good results. Now, yeah, I mean, sort of regardless of... It's been one of these situations where, regardless of how well we've been playing, uh, we always seem to have problems with Burnley. And particularly at the KC, you put in some very impressive performances. I can remember, uh, I think, Rodriguez playing very well a few years ago. And, you know, you played some great stuff at our place. Were you a bit surprised to see Steve Bruce get a, a new contract recently at such a, a key stage of the season? Obviously, he's done a very good job so far, but the timing of it seemed a little bit strange when you weren't completely safe. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say I was surprised. Uh, Steve Bruce, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, Steve Bruce has done enough for Hull City and is popular enough in Hull for people to want him to stay should we go down. Uh, I think there would be an expectation anyway pre-contract that you know he would be the man to guide us back were we to be relegated. And certainly through the season, you know, there's been a real expectation that we we would stay up. At the start of this season, we made purchases and. Uh, sort of went slightly up market with the sort of players we brought in with an expectation that we were planning for the next phase, which would be consolidation in the Premier League. So, no, not a surprise at all with that. The the, the thing to mention is, is that our one of our best signings this season was round about Christmas time when Mike Thielen came in as assistant manager. You know, obviously he's had many years under... Uh, working with Sir Alex, and he had immediate impacts. I mentioned earlier that we had a really bad phase for eight to ten weeks and some shocking results with the injury crisis, and we were on a little bit of a downward spiral. The man who has actually, we think, it's always difficult to tell, but the man we think has changed things and, and, and sort of shifted things around a little bit is Phelan, because there seems to be a different a different approach to the game within games in terms of the passing is slicker and the players are a lot more positive. So if things do go well for us in the next uh, few, few weeks, as well as 
confirming Steve Bruce's popularity, I think a lot of people will be pointing the finger at Mike Phelan and saying, well done, mate. That's interesting. We know about Mike Phelan as well because he's, he's from East Lancashire. He played for Burnley as well earlier in his Yeah, career. I seem to remember that. Um, looking at the rest of the bottom six then, a lot of people think it's going to be quite a low points number. 34, 35 points have been mentioned. In that case, it would only be a couple of wins for Hull. How do you see the, the rest of the, the bottom six shaping up at this stage? Yeah, I suppose uh, when I first considered this, I was looking at 36 points at being the sort of total that was necessary. I totally appreciate that it may only be 34, 35 that's needed to, to keep you up. So, I mean, that's the first aspect of it all. I think it's very, very tight at the bottom, as we know. And a lot of people have been saying, oh, that they think that the three clubs that came up will go down. I feel that normally at the end of the season, there's there's a club that gets on a very good run, uh, who's who's in dire trouble and just has one last surge. I mean, obviously the best example of that was Sunderland last year under Poyet, who came from nowhere to 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 actually survive, and they've got a similar challenge this year, haven't they? In that, you know, Sunderland are really under pressure at the moment. I actually think that. Leicester and QPR will really struggle. They have to do a lot to stay up. There's a huge amount for them to achieve. But I think it'll be between Sunderland, Hull City and Burnley for the final slot. That's my reading of it. I can't really see anyone else being sucked in unless they have a really bad spell. So obviously the Hull City-Burnley game is vital. But I'll be hoping for some particularly bad performances from Sunderland, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to push you then for a third team to go down, you seem relatively confident about Hull's chances. Who do you think will be that third team, assuming QPR on uh, Nothing to do with the fact that I'm talking to someone from Burnley. I, I actually <laughs> think it might be Sunderland. I'll tell you why, because I felt that the, the results Burnley had uh, against Manchester City where George Boyd scored that, that that great winner, the sort of daisy cutter. There seemed to be, there's been a very good spirit in the Burnley side this year, regardless of results. They've kept going and, um, you know, I think they've won a lot of admirers from across the Premier League for how well they've done relative to the resources that you have there. And I think the manager's got the team really playing for you. And I feel it, you know, I can see in Burnley a little bit what was in Hull City last year when they stayed up, when you've got loads of players who work extremely hard and a very, very tight and established team ethic. And uh, I think Burnley have a decent chance of staying up. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Peter. That's Peter from the Hull City Sports Group, Tiglink, which is tiglink.co.uk. They're on Twitter as well, H-C-A-F-C, Tiglink. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. So that's everyone we've heard from on this week's podcast. We had James talking about Burnley, Jim was on Salt Leicester, Jules about QPR, Peter about Hull and Stephen about Sunderland as well. So what's going to happen? Who can tell? It's uh, it's going to be tense, I'm sure. It's big games to come. Hull v Burnley looks crucial. Burnley v Leicester looks crucial. We'll just have to see how it goes. Thanks as ever to our sponsors at Neville G. We couldn't do the podcast or the website without them. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on this slightly different known and ever podcast. We'll be back next weekend to talk about Burnley v Spurs, which will hopefully be a win for the Carrots. See you next week.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.